morning. Welcome. You may be seated. We've got a jam-packed morning. It's huge. So buckle up. Right now, I'm going to welcome our, our good friend, our stylish, no, to give gifts to the college people. Yeah, yeah, that's you. I got the memo. 
So Tim is going to come up uh, and he's going to recognize some of our graduates. So let's let's welcome Tim, huh? All right. Uh, good morning. Uh, what we would like to do is uh, take an opportunity to recognize our graduates, like Mike said. Um, so if you are graduating from either high school or college or a nursing program, I'm going to ask you to come up to the front here. So if, if you could come up front, please. Connor, you're one of them. Miss Smith, soon to be not Miss Smith. <laughs> Who else do we have? I can't, we, we can't just have two, right? There's got to be more. Is that just two graduates this year? Christina Whittle, is she up here? She may be hiding. Okay, well, we will make sure the rest of these get handed out to the right people. Uh, but from Harmony Baptist Church to you, we'd like to just offer congratulations. You're very welcome. That's it, yeah. Thank you. Good. Well, hello, everybody, once again. Welcome. Uh, we're so thrilled you're here. Like I said, we've got some amazing things happening this morning. Uh, first, I want to welcome you. If you are a guest with us, visiting with us, we're thrilled you're here. If you could fill out in the pouch in front of you, there's a little card. We'd love to have you fill that out. Um, as you do that, if I can get our, our ushers to uh, come on down here with the plates. Um, a couple quick announcements. We're going to host a community picnic for our food pantry families on July 21st at 12 p.m. We will need volunteers to cook, set up, clean up, run games for the kids, and bring side dishes and desserts. It's an awesome opportunity to show God's love to meet and serve them with a fun day and great food. Sign-ups will be in the front lobby soon. Please see one of your deaconesses if you want to donate food or get involved. The Food Pantry is also looking for donations. Please see your bulletin for more information as to uh, what they're looking for. If you are reading the Daily Bible, you should currently be up to page 1202 or September 16th. Please see the bulletin for additional and more detailed announcements. Uh, Pastor John's going to come up quick and uh, as the ushers go, I'm going to just say a quick prayer. Thank you, Lord for this time, for this morning, and for the opportunity to get together and uh, worship you. We thank you for each one that's going to get baptized this morning, and uh, we're just so thrilled and excited to be a part of that, and for all you're going to do here today and moving forward. In Jesus' name, amen. So, church family, a thank you from Beth Dockendorf. Did you read these? You didn't read. I'm reading them. They were for you, but they're for the church. So, church family, thank you for your many cards, calls, prayers over the past few months during my mother's illness. Uh, your acts of kindness helped to strengthen me during a difficult time. We rejoice in knowing mom is totally healed now and at home with Jesus, and she really is, so praise the Lord for that. That was Beth Dockendorf, so thank you to you. And um, there's a thank you here to Pastor John, whoever he is, and, uh, and the Harmony Church family for visiting uh, the Reinhardts during their time of uh, grief. So thank you very much. You want me to read all that? 
Do you want me to read it? Mr. Reinhardt's here with us today. God bless you, brother. So glad you're here. Yeah, thank you for your support in prayer. The many of you who came to Nana's service and the beautiful flowers. While we mourn our loss, we also celebrate her new body free from pain and her eternal home with Christ. And that's the Ambrosinos who usually sit right about back there, but they're probably with uh, Father's Day celebration today, right? Most likely. I know a bunch of people are gone. A couple of things I want to mention. If you are in the Daily Bible, and I hope you are, as, as uh, our cheerleader usually says, even if you're behind, keep going. And if you're up to date... I'll give you a gift. I'm not telling you what it is because then I'm not responsible. But anyway, uh, I just think it's great if you're up. But if you're not, stick with it. Keep going. And here's another important thing. This summer, we will do, again, Q&A. So if you've got questions, we'll make sure next week my email's on the screen. But you should know it by now, hawkman2 at AOL.com. So fire those questions in if... if uh, a year and a half of, or however long we've been in this hasn't provoked some kind of questions, I'd be surprised. I'm sure you have more, right? And if I forgot to get to them last time, bring them forward. We'd be glad to look at it. So last week we had somebody back from a trip all around the world, and that's Alyssa McGrail. And uh, we put her on the spot. I got yelled at for that, but you know what? I don't care. Uh, because I asked her, what was your best learning? And she was like, what? And uh, Alyssa, where are you? Alyssa. Hi. I heard that you're ready to speak. Am I right? Even though you're not ready, you're ready. She's always ready after a trip like that. Let's welcome Alyssa McGrail as she comes up. And Alyssa, you should uh, probably explain what the world race is, too, for those who are guests and don't know about it. And I'm going to do one other thing. If you all don't mind, this is not rude or personal, but we have people getting baptized in just a minute. And so I'm going to ask them at this time, men to go to their side, ladies to go to your side and get ready for our morning baptism. We're going to hear you all the way in the back. I'm going to eavesdrop to the whole thing. So anything you say is on record, all right? So why don't you share for a minute? Okay. God bless you. Okay, um, I can just share with you guys what the world race actually is so you're not lost. And then I'm just going to pray because I actually have no idea what I'm going to say. But the world race, um, it's an organization under Adventures and Missions. And so the world race is an 11 and 11 missions trip. So they go to 11 countries in 11 months. And they have two programs, so the world race 11 and 11, and then the world race gap year. And I did the gap year, so I went to five countries in nine months. And the countries I went to were the Dominican Republic, Haiti, Botswana, South Africa, and the Philippines. Um, so we traveled all around with like 43 other people that were my age. So it was like 18 to 21. Um, but that's basically what we did. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to share whatever the Lord tells me to. Oh, Jesus, I do not rely on my own strength, and I have no idea what you want me to say. So I just ask... Holy Spirit, that you will come upon me and that you will just speak through me whatever these people need to hear. Um, I just ask for ears that can listen to you and ears that reject anything of the world or anything of the enemy, that you will just make it so clear in my mind what you want me to say and want me to do. Um, I'm willing and I'm open to whatever. Um, so I just ask that you will strengthen me and just give me wisdom and words to speak that will impact people in the most beneficial way. In Jesus' name, amen.
really know. Oh, my favorite country? My favorite country was the Philippines. I loved it. Um, I it was actually my hardest country. I just went through a lot of like spiritual, I guess spiritual chains, spiritual darkness, spiritual lies that I'd been walking my whole life. And then in the Philippines was kind of when the Lord was like, "You're free." I was like, "Great, that's perfect." Um, so it was like a lot of, I don't know, just like breaking and pouring out, and then just like building up and freedom, which is really cool. Um, but Carolyn asked me about my blog that I wrote the other day. Um, so I got this vision last week of, um, I don't know how to explain it, but like basically I was just sitting in my room in the Lord. <laughs> I don't even know what happened, but I was just sitting there and I saw Jesus on the cross, just like bloody and bruised. And then all of a sudden, like my vision just panned to the right. And I saw instead of like Jesus was crucified between two criminals on his right and on his left and instead of being a criminal on his right it was like my skin it wasn't like there's nothing in it there were like no lungs I was not alive it was just like my skin it was super weird um so I was like oh that's cool and then it like panned back to Jesus and like panned out and so I saw myself like who I am like right now and I was just like kneeling on the ground and weeping I was like I don't even know what that means but that's cool um, and I read about the death and the resurrection of Lazarus in um, John, I think it's in John, um, but it talks about how Jesus says, he says, Lazarus, come out. And then John addresses Lazarus as the dead man. He says the dead man came out with, like, a garment wrapped around his face and, like, these things, like, on his body because he was dead for four days. And Jesus literally said, Lazarus, come out, and he walked out of the grave, like, the heck I don't know um and so I just kind of like the Lord it wasn't me like the Lord just like connected those two things and he was like oh so the world will address you as a dead woman because all they can see is what is on the outside but I have transformed you from the inside and no matter what people call you like whether they address you as a dead woman or whether they address you as Alyssa like it doesn't change the fact that you are transformed by the blood of Christ and that I think a lot of times people, when, when I go on, I went on, the, okay, so I went on the race, I was gone for nine months, and all these people back home have been praying for me and have been keeping up with me and reading my blogs and doing all of these things, and so there's like this unsaid pressure of like, you have to be changed, like you have to be this person who uh, was radically changed because you traveled the world, like that, that requires change. And so I came back and I was like, shoot, like I have to prove to people that I am changed and I'm not the same person that I was. But in reality, like it doesn't matter whether you guys see the change inside of me, the Lord has transformed my life and that is all that matters. And whether people say, Alyssa, like you're still dead, like I'm very much so alive, like I'm breathing, I'm walking, I'm like I'm alive. So I think that's it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so I, okay, so I went on the race last year, and I was, like, on a squad with, like, 43 other people, but I got asked by my squad mentor this coming September to do something called alumni team leading, and so I'm going to be going back out on the field in September, and I will be just, like, over a squad with a little bit more leadership. I'll be, like, contacting ministry hosts. I'll be helping with discipleship. 
and just like kind of being a person who has done everything before so I can just like help people or like give them wisdom and do like this is how you do this or this is how you do this um so that's really cool I have to raise three thousand dollars um which is like still like a lot of money but not compared to what I had to raise for the race so yeah I'm really excited but Oh, I'll be gone for three months. So I'll be gone from September to December 11th, I think, is when I fly home. But, yeah. Thanks, everyone. disciples this morning on their journey with Jesus. It's appropriate for them to be marked as Jesus commanded them, if they come to faith in him, to be marked in the waters of baptism. A picture of identifying with our Lord Jesus and his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection, and showing to the world that I'm a follower of him. So it's a big day for these folks, and I always encourage everyone who gets baptized, if they have entered into true faith, that they can be assured that they're in the center of God's will that very moment because Jesus told you to do it. It doesn't get any more authoritative than that, does it? So this morning, let's celebrate with those who are marking themselves as disciples. The first is a, a sneak attack on our family. It's, uh, what's your name again? Lauren Edge. Come on. It's huge. <laughs> you want to tell everybody how you came to know Jesus? Well, I went, well, I was at my grandma's house when I was five. Um, my dad, like, he taught me about Jesus, and I got saved with him. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How old are you now? I'm 11. Okay, so you still believe the same thing? Yeah. Okay, you sure? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay, Lauren, let me ask you some questions here. Are you here today because you made the choice that you wanted to be marked as a follower of Jesus? Yes. Yes, not because your parents wanted you to. No. Which is always very important. I'm really glad that you've made that choice. Now, you know, it's a very difficult time we live in. Are you, have you made up your mind that you want to follow him for all of your days? Yes. Even if people are, like, not real happy that you're following him, you're going to follow him anyway? Yes. Okay. Are you trusting in what Jesus did for you on the cross to get you into heaven? Mm-hmm. Okay. Give me your hand here. So, Lauren, because of your profession of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, I'm happy to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
Lisa? You're a nice guy. If you don't know me, you might know me as Christopher's dad or Lindsay's husband. Um, I wrote some stuff down. Is this okay? Is this okay? Oh, it's totally good. All right. Um, so I got saved at 11 years old. What followed was stagnation and doubt in the form of the idea that I needed to approach God as a worthy being in order to be a productive follower of Christ. That I needed first to be established and fixed by my own hands. In reality, I needed to come to God broken and let him rebuild me. A part of faith is about killing the you that you have made and being made new in Christ and by Christ. It's fitting that today is Father's Day. Having a young child can teach you a lot of valuable lessons, like patience. You can also catch glimpses of what it's like to come to God with, a, with a, no bondage or doubt. I was stuck in my doubt when instead, like a child, <clears throat> I should have realized that my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. I'm excited to be up here. Um, I asked Pastor John if baptism could feel like a new beginning. He said it could, um, which got me thinking of my purpose up here. I am up here, nervous that he won't be able to pick me up out of the water, <laughs> not to take control of my life, but to display to you, my fellow believers in the congregation, that I have given up that ultimate control, that my source of life is not from within myself, but from God and the gift of life and salvation that he has given me and all of you. Good job. <laughs> that was pretty clear about trusting God, right, for grace to rescue us. That's excellent. So you're assured, Jason, that you have come to faith in Christ. You've made a personal relationship with him. Yes, sir. It's your intention today to mark yourself in the waters of baptism as a follower and to follow him for the rest of the days that he gives you. Certainly, because of your profession, of very clear profession of faith in Jesus, I am delighted to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You came up. And Jason's a, a better half, am I allowed to say? Cooley, I want to introduce you to, uh, to you to the congregation oh, yes. and share with them how you've come to know Jesus as Savior. I started going to church uh, a few months after my aunt passed away, and I just wanted to see what was going on, what this was, what the big deal was. I kind of found out, I'm obviously up here, <laughs> <laughs> and I do, I accept. Uh, I just accept Jesus as my Savior, and I know that he died for me. And that's all I have. That's all you that's have. All have. That's, that's all you need, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus is all you need, right? Yes. And so they've been on a journey together. It's been kind of cool to hear their story, and to have them at this point is very exciting. So mm -hmm. we're delighted you guys are here. <laughs> uh, because uh, let me ask you some questions, just okay. to be sure. So as I've asked you before, you are trusting in Jesus alone for salvation. Yes. And your intention is to follow him for the rest of your days. Yes. You're here in the waters of baptism because you wanted to be marked as his follower. Yes. Correct. Yes. So step out just a bit. Lindsay, because of your profession of faith, I'm happy to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son 
and the Holy Spirit. The next individual is a stranger among us. His name is Connor Vazethan. I think you'll recognize him. So um, most of you know that this is my seventh year here at Harmony for Church and my eighth and final year at Harmony for the school. And um, I, I've been going to church my whole life. I was born into the church. I was raised in the church. Uh, I've been going to church every Sunday whenever the doors were open pretty much, every Sunday, every Wednesday. And uh, God was never real to me. He was just kind of a story that made me feel nice, and he taught me some nice things. And uh, it, was, I, it was never real. It was up here, but it, was, it never made its way down. And um, I had, there had been some things that happened that had caused me to turn away from God and run the other way. And it took me, uh, took me too long to realize that he was following me the whole way, and he, he had my back, even though I, I didn't want him to. Um, so, Mom, Dad, I know this may be a little bit of a shock to you, but it wasn't until about October or November of 2016 that I truly did, I truly do believe that I gave my life to Christ, and I chose to take the opportunity today to make it public to you all and everybody else. <laughs> So it wasn't the, the mission trip part of that, just a little bit? Yes. Um, in that uh, September, October, November, whenever it was, I was approached about the Haiti missions trip that you all heard about. And it wasn't until then that I realized that God's real and he's, he's got me. And if it wasn't for that trip, I wouldn't be here. So, Praise the Lord. <laughs> So, Connor, I just want to be clear about something. You mean all that going to church and Sunday school did not make you a real Christian? No, it didn't. <laughs> really? So I hope everybody in the room understands that, uh, you know, if you park yourself in McDonald's, you don't turn into a hamburger. <laughs> and just because you're in a church doesn't mean that you become a believer. That is a personal faith decision that has to be made. Amen? Amen. <laughs> and so, Connor, you've made that decision, yes. and today you are witnessing to your faith in Jesus Christ. You've accepted Christ as Savior. Is it your intention of your own free will to mark yourself as a follower in the waters of baptism? Yes. Because of your profession of faith, Connor, I'm delighted to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. participant in our assembly, which would, yeah, you can come on. Glad I was here. <laughs> come on down. This is Becky Kennedy. And, uh, Becky, why don't you tell your story to everybody? I was raised in the Methodist uh, church and family and have the clarity to accept the gift of salvation. I realize it is free and not gained through good works. Mm -hmm. That was a big issue, correct? Yes. Yeah, because uh, 
Obviously, Christians are called to do good works, but sometimes we get that confused. And so, Becky, are you today resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ to get you born again and into heaven? Yes, I am. Okay. You're here of your own free will, choosing to be marked in the waters of baptism? Yes. You recognize that that doesn't rescue you. You're already rescued by faith. Yes. Okay. Because of your profession of faith. Becky, I'm happy today to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, praise the Lord for newer disciples and some who've been disciples a while but have taken that step of obedience as the worship team comes. Let me lead our congregation in prayer and thanks for... Uh, for new life. Lord, we thank you and praise you for the gospel, the good news, the free gift of eternal life that God, you so love the world. You're such a good, good father, which we'll sing in a few minutes. You so love the world that you gave your only son that whoever believes in him, who really genuinely obeys and puts their trust in him, from that moment gets life. And then the good works come out of what we already have. We don't earn it. For by grace we have been saved through faith. And that's not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not a result of works that anyone should boast. But thank you that we are your workmanship, created for good works, which you planned before we were ever thunk of. You planned good works for us to walk in because of your rescue in our lives. Let these disciples walk in those good works Put grace over them, protect them from the lies of the enemy, because he will most assuredly want them to uh, soil their witness of today. Protect them, send angels on their behalf, and strengthen them in the inner man by your Holy Spirit. We'll thank you for helping your church as we struggle along in this world. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. My niece pulled a fast one on me there, huh? Did not know that was happening. That is awesome. Let's, uh, let's hear it again for all those folks that took that step. It's awesome. I love days like this. I really do. Um, we are going to, we're going to try a new take on an old hymn. It's called One Day. Uh, it's a take on when we all get to heaven. I'm going to invite you to stand with us and sing as we worship.
Thank you for being there for us. Thank you for being our Savior King. Thank you that you meet us where we are and you draw us near to you. Thank you, Lord. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I forgot where I was. Okay. And what song we were playing. Okay. I, I thought it was me. Here it is. Bob, you can take that out of the recording, right? Nice. I got a guy for that. Here we go. Just as I 
receive will welcome pardon cleanse relief because thy promise I believe the Lamb of God I come I come Amen Yeah Hey Kingdom Kids Take a walk Yes If you are ages 3 to 3rd grade, head right out that door and follow somebody about your height. I didn't say sit down. Bunch of rebels out there.
Father, our Savior King, our Redeemer, our friend. Speak to our hearts now as we hear from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Oh. Bursitis. Anybody have any? How you feeling? Good. You're too young to have it. <clears throat> Just to mention, praise the Lord for our uh, baptismal candidates, what were, because now they're baptized, right? They're not candidates anymore. They're already baptized. So, yes, amen. We're grateful for any signs of life in the spirit, amen? And uh, good job, all you candidates. By the way, at the end of the service, I'm going to invite them to come up here on this side and make a line, a receiving line, just like a wedding. Not that I'm hinting at anything, but just like a wedding. And uh, just congratulate them. Come up and say praise the Lord. And if you appreciated their story, testimony, whatever, that's all good. Well, happy Father's Day to you. Thank. Okay, I'll try to have one. Yes. A happy Father's Day, I mean. Amen? Everybody? I couldn't help, as I was listening to the worship, uh, thinking when we sang Just As I Am, I started to choke up because that's the theme song of my spiritual father, Billy Graham, who's gone to be with Jesus. And uh, so that was very, you know, touching to me thinking about that. So I have said before, and I don't know, am I too loud? Am I... I'm fine. Well, thank you so much. I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad. Um, I always stress at holidays. I, I tend to because different holidays bring different emotions to everybody, don't they? And so there's something I read a while back, and I'm going to read it again. And uh, I just want us to think about this a bit. But uh, some of you probably are aware of the news report where um, two fine African-American gentlemen went into a Starbucks and ended up getting arrested 
or asked to leave, whatever the context was. Thankfully, they were such amazingly positive, um, culturally wanting to make a difference in a good way that they actually formulated a, 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 a community outreach out of it rather than starting a war. And, uh, but it was a kind of a sad event and required then Starbucks having all this sensitivity training, which was obviously appropriate. So with that in mind, um, one of our uh, printouts that we get on a regular basis from uh, Rainer, our, our, uh, our uh, insight giver, Mr. Rainer, uh, he's quoting Chuck Lawless, one of his associates, and, and, here's, and there's, there's a reason I'm sharing this, because I want to spread it further, because the church has always been those in the kingdom of heaven who take concern, take on concern for those who suffer. And that's the right thing to do. So we're having a, an outreach for our, our people with the food pantry and things like that. That is right on stuff. I just want to say that's right on stuff. Don't be so enthusiastic. Okay. Seven reflections on being childless and celebrating Father's Day. This is Chuck Lawless. This coming Sunday is Father's Day. I suspect that your congregation will include husbands who long to be a father, but to whom God has not yet granted this blessing. Frankly, I'm one of those men. So he knows what he's writing about. Not me. I'm not one of those men. We have five, but uh, this is very interesting. Frankly, I'm one of those men, and here are some of my reflections as you prepare to honor fathers this weekend. Recognize we sometimes struggle too. Some folks assume that only childless mothers struggle, but we wrestle with this reality as well, especially when we haven't given our spouse the gift of a child. Don't forget that we are in the congregation. We love the fact that churches honor fathers. I love this line because he's healthy. We want to rejoice without any twinges, but it's hard to do sometimes. At least pray for us, too. Don't assume we're simply selfish men who don't want children. Some men do lean that way. I've encountered them, but not all of us. Some childless men are among the most giving, sacrificial people I know. They just simply don't have children. Understand that adoption may not be the answer for everyone. Here's the important one. Earn the right to do so before you ask why. We don't have children. Some people, well, let me just read his statement. I've been amazed at how many people know Pam and me at only a superficial level, but feel completely comfortable asking us why we don't have children and then tell us what we need to do. Wow. Ow, right. Thank you for the wow. I agree. Challenge us to get involved in the lives of others, and this is the good part, who need father figures. I'm going to just say to brothers today, Without, uh, without embarrassment in any way, we need father figures desperately, desperately in our culture. Push us. Connect us with young men who need guidance. To be honest, we often have the time and resources others may not have. Remember that we're not the only grieving men in church this Sunday. Some men have buried their fathers this past year. Others never met their real father. Some know their father, but that man never really became a dad to them. Celebrate Father's Day fully this Sunday, but be alert to men who may need a friend. Can anybody say amen to that? And here's my question then beyond that. That is, who else is out there missing? Not just on Father's Day, but all through the year. We all have different pains and griefs and what have you. 
And Jesus bore our griefs. And uh, we need to be messengers for him as we minister to people. Can I get an amen on that? I'm going to ask that you join me in prayer as we launch this morning into the Word of God. Lord, thank you for uh, being, as we just heard and sang, a good, good Father. Speaking of carrying pains, sometimes we've come through life without a good role model in that regard or complete abandonment. We rejoice when dads have done their part. They've been there, they have poured in, and for those who have been cheated in that regard, thank you that you are able to sustain and to fill in the gaps. It doesn't take away some of the missing or the hurt, but Lord, you have proven yourself over and over. In my life and many in this room can testify you're a good, good father. It's who you are. And Lord, as one who came up fatherless because of a a renegade dad, so to speak, you proved yourself to me over and over again as one who comes through with the answers and the help and the grace necessary. So would you help us today, whatever it is that we're struggling with or what we carry, to cast ourselves completely on your grace and say, help us, because Lord, you draw near to those who draw near to you. Would you help us this morning? And um, as we look into your word for a few minutes, edify your saints, build us up. And if there's someone here this morning who hasn't found that you're a good, good father, in fact, depending on whatever damage people may have done in history, they may be suspicious of you. Show your goodness to them and that they need to come to rest by faith in you through the person of Jesus, their elder brother and their Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for helping us in any way that you do. And we pray this in his name. Amen. So I had a uh, two-hour sermon this morning ready. No, it's Father's Day, and I'm going to make sure everybody gets on their way in a timely fashion, right? Because you all want to go out to dinner. Or not. I want to take a nap. So here we go. Here's my uh, toolbox. And guess what? I fixed up my toolbox this time so it won't fall over. I just had to put some of my books in the bottom, and that solved it. Today, what we want to talk about is the tools on the top shelf. But what I'm going to do, because our time has slipped by us so quickly... I'm just going to talk about this for a minute and then um, skim over it, come back to our subject that we've been looking at later and kind of concentrate on the main point of the day, if you will. So here's my top tool, top drawer tools, right? The the ones that are really important, okay? These are are really important. Anybody recognize any of them? I know. Uh, Yeah, it's amazing, huh? You can't see them. How about now? I'm going to save this one till last. All right. So, very important. Very important tools. One, here's my pencil sharpener. And here's my pencil. 
Anybody ever do any projects carpenter? It's a little one, I know. I couldn't find my carpenter pencil. It's nice and wide, fits in the sharpener. That's important. This is very important. If you're making a project at two feet square, you better know what two feet is, right? You want to get that right. So that's a top drawer one. That's important. How about that? A straight edge. And along with it, I've got the angles, right? I'm working all my angles here. Right? Very handy tool. You want something to be square. You want it to be right. So you have those tools to start your project before you get in it and find out you did it all wrong. Anybody ever do that? I had a wonderful carpenter friend. He was an amazing uh, house building technician, extremely precise. And of course, you've probably heard this before, measure twice, cut once, because otherwise you just wasted a whole lot of wood. But what happened one day, I was uh, working in my house up in uh, Binghamton when we, were ex we had uh, added a, an extended kitchen. And we wanted to have like an island with this countertop where we could all sit on stools and eat breakfast. You know, not a dining, not formal, a little more informal, lots of fun. I had everything manufactured, so I just had to install it. And I had gone to uh, one of those discount stores, and I had bought a tool like this. Anybody recognize that? Oh, very important tool. Don't buy discount levels. In fact, I got to tell you, it was one of uh, my wife and I were talking, trying to remember when this happened, and I was like, yeah, that's not a happy memory, but <laughs> anybody know what I mean? It's not going right. Nobody here ever has problems like that, because I was using a level that was off, so my line, when I finally stepped back, that's hard to eat off of that, you know, your stuff kind of slips. It's all right if you're on a ship, you know, and you have the wide glass, you know, but this wasn't, it wasn't, it, it just wasn't pretty. Use a good level. I think that's an appropriate um, picture of what sets the tone in our lives, if you will. Level set makes things the way they ought to be. And what we were talking about, for those of you who are guests today, we've been in a series on Grace Illustrated, and one of the ways God illustrates grace to us is He gives us gifts. He gives us spiritual gifts so we can be engaged in His business with Him. Now, I think He made a mistake on this one, personally. I mean, really, would you, would you hire you to get the kingdom of God moving on earth I wouldn't, but he did. He picked us, he chose us, and he invested power in us for his kingdom purpose. And actually, I'm glad he did, aren't you? It's fun. It really is fun. So we were looking at gifts, and I'm going to just blast through that subject, but there's a reason I'm talking about this this morning. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers... I don't know any of those. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. This is what I call the top drawer gifts. Right at the top, because you need that level to set the tone, to set the bar. Where is this supposed to be built? You don't just do it willy-nilly. 
We're going to unpack all of that at another time because this morning our time has fleeted. We've had so much going on this morning. So I will come back and you can ask questions about what does this gift mean and that gift mean and the other gift mean. But here's the deal. There's a connection between fathers, leadership, parents, if you will, and leadership gifts. There's a parallel here. In fact, the scripture calls us. Who's the church? Is it this building? It's us. We're called the family of God. And there's a reason that we're called that. And spiritual giftings fall into some of those categories. And spiritual leaders like elders and uh, these, these gifts that we're mentioning are like the fathers and mothers of the church, the parents, if you will. So bear with me. I'm not going to lay a lot of foundation about that for this week, but we will come back to it next week. But suffice it to say... There's a connection in my mind between Father's Day and this. All right? And so he gives these gifts, these fathers, if you will, to establish the church and to build it up in its faith, the leadership gifts. But I'm going to blow past all of this. We'll look at it next time, okay? Here's where I want to go. In your notes, if you're a note taker, you have the gifts or the leadership gifts first, and then you hit this pastor-teacher phrase, right? Skip the first three for now. Not that they're not important, they're extremely important, but the one I relate to the most, and probably you do, because most of us don't rub shoulders with apostles, sometimes prophets, evangelists, we just talked about one who went to be with Jesus now, and uh, they are instruments for building up the body, but pastor-teacher, which I think is one role, by the way, it's pastor-teacher, there's arguments over that, it's okay, the two words that are used are this. Pastor-teacher is shepherd, a sheep herder, a herdsman. In spiritual language, it's a presiding leader or presiding officer. You know who was in the Old Testament was a king, was called the shepherd of Israel? Who was that? David, the shepherd of Israel, who guided his sheep, the people of Israel, a whole nation, with skillful hands, the psalmist says. So there's a shepherding dimension, a looking out, a caring for, watching your sheep. You know what shepherds do. They're out in the fields. They protect their sheep from wolves. They protect their sheep from going over cliffs. Sometimes they have to drag them back from where they're wandering off. Basically, it's like a dad who has to say, this is your yard. Play in your yard. Don't go out of it. It's a shepherding job. The second word is well, it's, a, it's a, the Greek word didaskalos. It means to teach. It's from where we get... Remember I often say there's a difference between my hortative ser- sermons and my didactic sermons. How do you like those for big words? 50 cents. Do you guys have enough coffee this morning? You're, you're, you all, everybody with me? Anybody know what didactic is? Teaching principles, right? Line upon line upon line. Hortative means, come on, let's go. Yeah, it's an exhortation. That's where it comes. Same, same root. Okay? So there's a, a teaching dimension of that gift, and there is a shepherding dimension of that gift. Sounds kind of like parenting, doesn't it? Kind of sounds like parenting. So that brings me to the goal. That's what I'm going to park on. We're going past the goal and into the final answer. The second part of this sermon is the goal. The ultimate goal is maturity. 
for the perfecting of the saints, for the building up of the body, that the body might stand on its own two feet and do ministry. Ministry belongs to the body of Christ. I don't know how many people still think, and it's, it's become a cultural, a, a cultural stuckness. How's that? It's a cultural stuckness. We pay the preacher to do ministry. Totally wrong. The body does ministry. The preacher's job is to coach you how to do ministry. So when a person joins the church, and by the way, we're on this series on gifts on purpose, when I become a part of the church, I need to find my duty, the thing that God's calling me to do. Everybody should make a contribution to the building up of the body of Christ. That's why churches sometimes get in trouble. They wait for a new guy to come with his bag of tricks, and then when he leaves town, everything falls apart, and you've got to start all over. shouldn't be that way. We should have ministry under our belt and realize where we want to go. Uh, pastors are necessary. Leaders are necessary to coach and train in doing the ministry. That's the goal is maturity. To knit God's holy people together for the work of service to build up the body of Christ. Two important words. The word knit there. This is the New Jerusalem Bible. Once in a while, I like that translation even better because it, it uses a, a good terminology like knit together. The word in your, in your Bible may be perfect or to equip, but it's talking about making the pieces fit together. By the way, I was thinking about this. Here's a couple of other. Uh, these would be more serving tools, right? Get it done. This is a drill. This is a drill. Thank you. This is a drill. It doesn't work. Why? Oh, because so far it's not knit together. I love that sound. Anyway, when you knit it together, it works. So the process of working together in unity, each gift working according to its individual part is an important thing that we want to see happen in the body of Christ, to build up the house of God. The second word that is used at the end of that is build up the body of Christ is a word for building a house, literally, oikodomeo, to build a house. My wife's favorite verse she used to dwell on out of the Proverbs was, I don't remember the reference, 14.1, a wise woman builds her house, a foolish one tears it down with her own hands. And by the way, that applies to men or women. They can build it up or they can tear it down. Have two choices. Wise woman, wise man builds his house, builds up the house. We used to use the word edify. Remember that? Edification is the building up. I've been edified by something someone just says to me that speaks life to me. You just edified me. My deaconesses, right? She's grinning at me again. Anyway, the fact is, they've edified me on occasion, you know? Others have as well. They speak life to me. Which, by the way, uh, here's a little hint. We all need life speak somewhere along the line, right? We all need it. So that's something we should all make kind of a labor-intensive thing in our experience. So speaking of building up the house and making an application from a father's standpoint, if I could... Uh, let me find my note here. Here it is. 
Anybody ever follow uh, the most important part of the newspapers, the funnies? I mean, come on. Anybody ever follow Doonesbury? Some pe- no? Sorry you don't get out enough. All right, so anyway, Doonesbury, some people don't like him because he's liberal. There are liberals out there, friends, I hate to tell you. But one of the things I love about this, just like, now I'm going to really step in it. It's the same reason I love Modern Family. Oh, that pastor likes that? Oh, yeah. Because they just have it out there with all their brokenness. It's just as clear as can be. I'm not saying I agree with any agenda. All I'm saying is it's so real. Yes, Pastor John. Anyway, Doonesbury is like that. So listen to this. This is a great one. So one of the main characters named, uh, oh, what was her name? Sam, Samantha, one of the daughters. She's um, a college freshman welcome committee person. You know what I mean? And they're at Walden College. If you would follow it, Walden is like almost totally meaningless. You know what I mean? It just, you don't have to do anything to graduate Walden. So she says, hey, everyone, welcome to Walden Freshman Orientation. I'm Sam, class of 19, and I'll be joining you on the dorm retreat. And all these kids are like this, you know. Some are wide-eyed, scared to death, and others are like half-sleep, whatever. So college can seem pretty intimidating, especially to the pampered victims of overparenting. <laughs> Ow. Some of you missed that. Let me read it again. So college can seem pretty intimidating, especially to the pampered victims of overparenting. Pampered victims, isn't that great? I know because I was one myself. But I can also tell you from experience that if you can survive camp at Walden, can you, deal, you can deal with anything college throws at you. For the next four days, you'll be rock climbing, building shelters, foraging for your own food, facing multiple challenges that enhance self-reliance and confidence. Just wait. So, ditch your phones, (laughs) please, ditch your phones, and grab some sneakers, and we'll head out after lunch. Any questions? Yes, in the back. What if you can't tie your shoelaces yet? And she says, see me after, we'll put you in some Crocs. (laughs) It's hysterical, except it reminds me so much of my other story I told you. Overparenting victim, really. I've not helped you mature and grow up and be able to handle the world in which you have to survive. And that's part of our job as spiritual leaders, as well as leaders in our home, as fathers and mothers, and I'm especially leaning on on behalf of fathers today. Till we all, the, the, the next verse, I'm just going to fire through it, that came after this is, till we all reach the unity of the faith, knowledge of the Son of God, and form the perfect man. After equipping and growing them, they form the perfect man, fully mature, with the fullness of Christ himself. That's the goal. I uh, mentioned last time that spiritual gifts are given to cause the church to progress quantitatively, qualitatively, and organically. Trick question. Which part of that did Billy Graham do? Quantitative. 
It's, a, it's evangelism. That's what he's getting. Now, he did do some other qualitative training. He wrote books that were all helpful, but that was his primary focus. Some of the teachers you hear on the radio all the time or uh, that you listen to uh, that make me look bad, uh, qualitatively instructing the disciples, right? And then organically, my thought about that would be going to the, the uh, leadership summits that people throw, right? It's helping the church develop past where they are because, let's face it, the early church, when it blew up in the positive sense, it grew like crazy because of the Holy Spirit imparted to the church. There were 3,000 people that morning. Another 2,000 people later, Pastor Peter did not visit all those Christians. Everybody with me? Oh, they don't like that answer. No, no we don't like that. No, I, I hate to tell you, he didn't. In fact, he didn't baptize all those Christians. The other disciples were doing it. And then they multiplied because ministry belongs to the body. And that was part of the maturing. And it had to grow organically. And that's why you started to have missionaries and church plants and leaders over groups of churches like Titus and Timothy. They became sort of like bishops, if you will. There's a whole lot we can unpack on that. But let's get back to our main point. Here's the goal, ultimately. The next step that we want to see is this. The guidance that we need. The reason God gives us leaders, the reason God gives us fathers and mothers is for the guidance that we get, because we all need it. Here's a profound, weird statement. We all need authority in our lives. I didn't get one amen on that, because we're living on 30 years of rebellion against authority. It's been happening ever since my generation went to Woodstock. I'm just being blunt. More than 30. Thank you. Thank you for rubbing it in. Anyway, so... Have I made it clear that your job is on the line? Anyway, Mike and I get along great, usually. Um, so, you follow what I'm saying. We need authority. I am so grateful for those who stepped up to the plate in the church on my behalf, because I was fatherless. Men that I spotted that walked with God, they knew something about hearing from the Holy Spirit. I invited myself to their dinner table, whether they liked it or not. I don't know how they didn't throw me out on my ear, but I benefited from it, and they invested in me, and I'm grateful that that happened. Let me show you the, the family dynamic from two perspectives. One is from the church perspective, which I just commented on, the guidance that we need. Uh, in the future, I'm going to address leading more from the pulpit because I'm going to be candid. As an assembly, we still have some issues with authority. What a profound thing. And I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> Not today. It's Father's Day. I've got to make you all happy, all right? But we want to move toward maturity. We want to get away. You don't want, you, don't want, you know, a 22-year-old sucking his thumb whining you want him to rise up and be a man or a woman, right? That's the goal. That's what you want. And same thing is true in the church and in the home. Obey your leaders. Oh, don't you hate stuff like this? Obey your leaders, submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be an aggravation to them. No, that's not what it says. What does it say? 
It's unprofitable for who? For you. Years and years of watching people say, well, that's just your opinion. Crash and burn. How's it working for you, Dr. Phil would say? It doesn't. I know that there are people who are spiritually abusive, people who shouldn't be in ministry. I know that sometimes we've had bad modeling. But when somebody is serving God with a pure heart, doing the best they can, counseling you with what the Bible clearly says, you would be wise enough to say. Let's move that on past church family into the home. How can you get through Father's Day without quoting this? Are you ready for all the kids in the room? Well, we're all kids, right? I'm still a kid. No comment. How can I get past this? Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. This is a New Testament, right? By the way, the words, listen, heed, listen to, heed what they're saying. It doesn't mean, can I make something clear? It doesn't mean we submit to somebody who's abusive, somebody who is spiritually or emotionally, physically, you don't submit into sin. God never calls us to submit into sin. Okay. But when we're being spoken to for our good, there is authority in my life. And like I said, we all need it. We need somebody to move us out of our self-will. God spends most of your life trying to break your self-will. Have you discovered that? You haven't? You need to get born again. Okay. Because you'll find out that that's what he's doing. I love this. Look at this promise. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Paul is speaking from a New Testament perspective. Honor, the word honor is to revere your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Don't you want that? Don't you want prosperity? Don't you want blessing that it may, you may live long on the earth? And here's the, here's the catch. Fathers... Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Anybody remember those verses? They've been around. I'm going to unpack a couple of those words, but I love this. Don't provoke your children to anger. You know what's a good translation of that is don't exasperate your children. It means you make it impossible for them to please you. You can't, they can't possibly please you. They come home with a B plus and you scold them because it wasn't an A. Whatever it happens to be. Whatever that is, you have to plug it in. Now, if they have the potential to be A+, you may have to lean on them about their attitude. That's a whole other subject. Thank you. I clarified. Uh, my, my office is open this week. We'll have therapy session. All right. So, no, you're right. Okay. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The word discipline is pedeo, from which we get pedagogy. It's instruction principles. But the word I really like here is the instruction of the Lord. That word is the word nuthesia. Now, if anybody in the room has done any studying in the area of Christian counseling, you would know, what was his name? Jay Adams, right? Dr. J Dr. Uh, Ashley's shaking his head back there just to prove that I'm right. Anyway, thank you. Dr. J. Adams, years ago, did a counseling style called newthetics. You know what newthetics is? It's very simple. Let me get this off. This is right. This is wrong. You're doing this. Stop doing that and do this. How complex is that, Carl? Not very. Now, 
if I'm free and I'm not in bondage, I can make up my mind to say, I'll heed that and I'll turn and I'll go the right direction. So neuthetics can work unless I'm facing an emotional or demonic bondage, which does happen. But that's what it means. It means I'm teaching you what is right and wrong. I'm teaching you how big your backyard is. I'm teaching you where to tread and where not to tread. And when you step out of line, I'm telling you, don't do that. It's wrong. Here's the consequences. Do this. The timing on this was amazing. Uh, this last week down on Long Island where I had to clean up my uh, aunt's estate a few years back in uh, Dick's Hills, some of the richest real estate. There were a bunch of kids who were out on their bikes purposely aggravating the traffic going by, trying to, like, I dare you to hit me, I dare, you know, this kind of a thing. When one mother with little kids in the car pulled over to take a picture with her camera so that knowing, as most of the neighbors in that area knew, this was going to go bad somewhere along the line. She's taking pictures. The kids start. Don't, I love, you know, I hope you can catch my drift here. You know, they're taking a picture. Back, and then grabs a dead snake and throws it in. Her car, and the next thing you know, a man from the neighborhood tackles this kid, throws him on the sidewalk. Yes, he was wrong, we know. The father is there. Well, he shouldn't have done that. The father of the kid, he shouldn't have done that. And I know he's going to have consequences. That wasn't the right way to deal with it. Right, Ben, even though you're thinking the same thing I'm thinking. <laughs> so, maybe a, a lock. Maybe a lock instead of ten. Anyway, but anyhow. That father is absent. That kid has a doomed future because the parent, the level... The level is like that, and it cannot come out well. It's not going to unless he rises up and says, man, I, I need a V8. Could have had a V8. I'm a jerk. I missed it. And I'll, I'm sorry I said that word, but that's how I feel about it. It's like, really? You think the rest of the world is going to treat him better? You think a gang member is going to take his sass? He could be dead instead of tackled, and you're helping him get there. So it's time to rise up, dad, and lead the way. Instruct, this is right and that is wrong. Leaders, dads, moms, too, in cooperation, in home, in God's family, subdue chaos and set the level, breaking down confusion, rebellion, and the resulting frustration that followers feel when there's not a clear instruction. We desperately need it in our generation. Speaking of that, Barry Lewis in the paper today wrote to his son, who is now a father. And so he gives a little commentary, and some of this is kind of fun. You better pay attention during diaper changes or you'll get shot in the eye. <laughs> it's amazing how much food can be stored in a single nostril. Check if the soap is wet. Trust me on this. He must have boys. It's okay to get advice from your kids on electronic devices. <laughs> Amen. You can never go wrong with, what did your mother tell you to do? 
Well, you can go wrong with that sometimes. There's nothing wrong with playing ball in the house. Just do it when mom's not around. Anyway. Oh, that was naughty. Yeah, you write him at the Times-Herald Record. Tell him how bad he is. Here's the one that I took note of and why I wrote it, why I pulled this out. It hurts. It hurts. But sometimes you have to be the bad guy. Leadership requires pulling the trigger sometimes. I had a whole lot of other stuff, but our time is up and I want to be kind to you. Let me just say two things. One, we live in a culture that has minimized the value especially of males. I'm just being blunt. And we're ambivalent, we're confused, we're not sure if we should hold the door for a woman or not. It's absurd, but that's what we're living with. I encourage you to find the courage the Holy Spirit gives you anyway. We need to rise up without fear. In this generation, we're desperate at this point for clear role models, clear values, clear uh, uh, models of maleness and femaleness in our culture. We're coming apart at the seams. And so I just want to pray and bless life on you especially as men today. I hope you won't be offended at that. But I'm going to ask as we close that all the males in the room, doesn't matter how young, all the males in the room, doesn't matter whether you're father yet or ever will be, it doesn't matter. You have the potential to be fathering in some context. Just all the males, stand up. I want to pray over you if I could. And then we'll be dismissed. You have a great Father's Day after. I just want to pray over you. Can you join me? You'll give me an extra minute. Thanks. Lord, we prayed earlier in worship that you're a good, good, good father. You're a no-nonsense father. You're clear about what's right and wrong, and you do pull the trigger when you need to because it's the right thing, because we need your discipline desperately. Lord, I thank you that you've made male and female in the image of God, but each is distinct And the need for fathers in homes is so desperate today. And for fathering in churches, whether I'm a biological father or not, we all have an opportunity to speak life and direction and set the level in someone else's life. I look around this room and I know that there are men who have done a great job. I know that there are multiple generations who are still in the church, still serving you. Lord, my hat is off to that. We worship you for that. We're thankful for that. And we ask that that tribe would increase. And I know that there are times as fathers, myself included, that I've blown it. And we need grace. And I need to interact with my children with grace so that healing can occur. And there's a lot of that represented in this room as well. We need your grace. For every man and young man standing today, I'm asking for the clarity and empowering of your Holy Spirit to rise up with what you have placed in them, both in the natural realm, but also in the supernatural realm, so that, Lord, you would be glorified in their life. They would have a sense of purpose and excitement and confidence because I know who I am in Christ and I know who I am as a man, the way you made me to be. Would you help us, God? We just need so much help. We lean on you. We ask for your blessing. And Lord, those who are going to celebrate today, let them find joy in it. Those who are missing people, let them be comforted by you. 
those who have not come to rest in a relationship with the good, good Father, let them invite Jesus into their life today. Well, thank you for helping us, God. Put your angels around your people as we go. In the great name of Jesus, we pray, and all of God's people said, amen and amen. If you want to talk about a relationship with Christ, I'll be up here. I'm going to ask the candidates to come back up and make sure you greet and bless them for their obedience today, up here in the front. Thank you.